Today is Palm Sunday, and we're not going to have a traditional Palm Sunday service where kids are walking down the aisle with palm leaves, and if you're disappointed with that, well, you'll get over it, and maybe what you need to do is go out and make a snowman this afternoon before the snow melts would be a good thing to do. I hate snow, and I don't know about you, but this was depressing here this week here in in terms of the snow, but next week is Easter, And I don't know if we realize something that that the Easter, that weekend of the resurrection, functionally it pointed to the graduation of the disciples. They had been trained knowing that Jesus was going to return to the Father and they were training them to live differently in this world. That's what we're going to talk about today in terms of the context with a sermon. But I want to begin with a statement here. The cross and the empty tomb also represent a call to live radically different lives in this world. It was never supposed to be just, okay, salvation has come to us. We're a child of God, and and then now we sit here and do nothing. He is calling us to a lifestyle. And that's what we're going after here today as well. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Colossians chapter 1. If you're a guest with us, we have been began walking through the book of Colossians, and we've come up to this point. We're going to focus on 28 and 29 here today. But we've called it above all. We want Christ to be above all in everything we do. Let's begin with verse 25. Of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you. To make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations. But now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches and the glory of this mystery. Which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. Him we proclaim warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all of his energy that he powerfully works within me. Eleven men came to the end of of the ministry of Jesus Christ. They had been prepared to go into the world to live a different life. Now, now I got to point something out. It wasn't just those 11 men as well. Matter of fact, the author of this book, Colossians, was called a little bit later. Remember, he was met on the road to Damascus. But even there, Jesus then had him go into the desert, and he spent three years where the Holy Spirit was teaching him and training him for also for Paul to live a different life. And that's the call, folks, on our lives. Matter of fact, it's summed up, you know, in verse 28 and 29. And and if you were to look at the summary of Paul's life, well, let me make a, a statement on the screen here. Paul's purpose in life was to help everyone encounter the life-changing Jesus. Paul was convinced that when people encountered the living Christ, that their lives would be changed. So today, here's what I want to do. I want to just give you four quick points, and then we're going to apply this. But understand how this applies to us. Look at verse 25. I became a minister according to the stewardship from God. Paul was set apart by God, 
And now here's where some people look at that phrase and they go, well, that's Paul. That's not me. I don't have to worry about this issue. But if you were to go over two chapters later, Paul is addressing the church directly. And let me just read it for you. I don't have it on the screen. He said this to the people, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. And folks, it's a mirror to verse 28 that we just read. Paul knew that he was accountable for a lifestyle for living in such a way because he was changed by Jesus. The first application on your notes, I said it this way. Helping others move toward Jesus is not optional. It is a stewardship issue. We are held accountable for this issue. The goal to present people complete, mature, to be just a little bit different, to move a little bit toward Christ is now not optional for our lives. Functionally, we could say this. Verse 28 is the Great Commission to make disciples. But look at verse 28. Let me put that on the screen again. Him we proclaim. Warning, and notice now this next word. Everyone. And teaching everyone with all wisdom. That we may present everyone mature in Christ. Let me give you that second point there in the bulletin outline. This is a call for every Christian, if you claim to be a follower of Christ, to be used to help people walk toward Jesus in every sphere of, your, of our lives. Every area of our lives. Everyone meets, ev- means everyone, not just my family, not just my people at church, where you work, where you play the people that you bump into. See, but it starts with a relationship, some type of small relationship, but it has a mindset that this, I am going to help them take a step or two or an inch or two or a foot or two toward knowing Jesus where they can be transformed. We're called to learn how to do this. Matter of fact, I think one of the things that we fail to recognize is we need to be equipped, but we need to be challenged, and we need to practice it even. Does it come automatically overnight? I go, no. But it starts with a mindset. And then we're called to develop even the skills to be able to do this. But now here's where I got to point, a couple, uh, point at a couple words here in, in that verse. First word, the word warning. I, I think we think of it this way. Well, I'm, I'm called to go up to somebody and point the finger in their face and go, you're going to hell. No, that's not what we're talking about here. The idea of warning here, admonishment, is actually about protection. It's looking at people in such a way that we want to protect them in the spiritual realm. We want to keep them from walking away from Christ. But then you have that second word, that word teaching there. And you know where we go with this word? We go, well, is Paul telling us we got to be a Sunday school teacher, a, you know, a, a, an adult teacher? And the answer is no, that's not what he's talking about when he's re- talking about directed at the whole church. 
It's this, that the word of God is pouring into our lives and that we're developing a wisdom through the word of God to be able to speak the words of life into other people. That's the teaching that he's talking about here. It's not formal classroom here. So, so that there's, but there's a third issue I got to point out as well. Look at verse 29. For this I toil, struggling with all of his energy that he powerfully works within me. Number three, to fill in that blank there, there is a call to sacrificially give time, money, and energy so others might take a small step toward Jesus. You know, that word struggling there, it literally means to the point of exhaustion. There is an intensity to it. See, I think we look at this passage and we want to go, ah, when it's convenient. And Paul goes, nope. I understand if we are called, if we're signing up to follow Jesus, it was never meant to be about a life of convenience. But there's a fourth point. I had a point to you. you. When that phrase, all of his energy, which so powerfully works within me. Look at number four. God has given us the Holy Spirit to fully accomplish this directive. It's an attitude where we take our hands up and we say, Holy Spirit, I need your wisdom. I need your power. I need your strength, even when we don't feel like doing it. When we press into people and we encourage people and we're willing to open up our homes or do whatever it takes, even when we might be tired. I think the tendency is, oh, I got to have my rest. And we pull back and then we forget about people. See, you, you catch this call in our lives. Can we begin to take and help another person take an inch toward Jesus or a step toward Jesus? Now understand this. You may never see the completion of where God wants to take them. There's somebody else will come along and take them another way toward that level of maturity, that understanding of who God is. But we are accountable for just taking them a little ways and moving them and challenging them to move a step or two toward Christ. Now, uh, let me give you a scenario as I thought about this text. If we were to apply Colossians 1.28 and to this idea to present one another to help move, what would happen if we all stopped on a Saturday night? On a Saturday night, we, we basically took a few minutes and we prayed a prayer something like this. Father, would you give me the ability to walk into church on Sunday morning and to put a spiritual set of glasses on for me to see people that I can help them, encourage them, pray for them to help them take one step toward Jesus. What do you think would take place in a church if the vast majority of those people coming into the the doors of this facility had that mentality on their hearts? I think it would change a church radically. So that's a call, I think, for our, on our lives. But here's where I get, and this passage for me, understand, this passage is such a foundational issue for me. It's one of my, you might have a life set of verses. These two verses, 28 and 29, really are core verses that, that for me are kind of those life verses that I've had through the years. And, and let me tell you why. 
back in the early 80s, Deanna and I jumped into a youth ministry. And we were leaders in that youth ministry and doing teaching and helping whatever way we can. And the youth pastor, his name was Bill Trankman, still doing ministry today in his late 70s, even centered around youth and college as well. But he drilled into us this text 128 and 29. And his goal for us as we looked at those students, is what can we do to stir them, to push them, to pull them, to come alongside of them and help those students know Jesus just a little bit better, to build a relationship with where they can move and understand what was happening with us is that God was probably, I think, in many ways, changing us more than it was changing those students even. Now, it did change the students as well. But what Bill was doing, he was trying to push us, those leaders in that student ministry, to be equippers, to to equip us to be influencers for Christ and have it as a lifestyle in our lives. And he looked at those students, and he was trying to push those students and going, students, do you have a vision for your school, for your friendships? And over and over again, he was drilling this into, into our lives. And it changed us profoundly. And here's where, though, I, I want to try to apply this passage in a very relevant way. And I'm going to invite my son up here this morning. And this is Andy. Some of you know him. Some of you don't. Uh, Andy's actually supported here by the church. And he's a missionary um, in that he's, there's an organization called Elementum. And Elementum is geared toward helping churches um, create ministry toward college age and just a little bit older. And actually, he's been coaching Steve. They've been coaching Steve and trying to even been in our church. He's been a, a key uh, component of wanting to build that ministry here within our community as well. Um, and by the way, afterward, he is going to share, give it a little update uh, in terms of Elementum. And I would invite you to be a part of that. Um, we're going to actually have a light lunch in the youth room. So if you would, if you want to hear a little update and ask questions kind of in, in his ministry, I'd love to invite you. And we do have some extra food, so we'd love to have you a part of that as well. But here's the deal with my son and my daughter. She was here as well. I drilled this passage. I brainwashed him with Colossians 1, 28 and 29. And um, now you understand when I use the word brainwash, it's really not brainwashing if it's a biblical truth. Okay, so technically that's, that's true here. But we did drill it into him. So Andy, when you think back um, for us doing that as a mom and dad, what did you understand it to be growing up? Yeah, it was one of those things where um, this was a verse that we heard all the time. Um, it was one of those verses uh, that in conversation would often come up. And it often would come up in, in, the, in the context of relationships. And so whether it was a relationship with my sister, right, where uh, tensions were rising or, or she was irritating me as often that she would, like the, the question of being, okay, in this moment, in the next few moments, how do you continue to present her complete in Christ? How do you help her uh, push her towards Jesus? Or um, often within... Um, uh, guys within my basketball team or friends that I would have as, as we were relational tension would happen or moments of, of the, where they would need something where there was this challenge and this encouragement for me to continue to speak love and truth into them as well. And then um, probably the times I rolled my eyes the most were um, 
times with dating, right? It'd be like, okay, hey, you know, I get back and been on a date with a gal, my girlfriend, and be like, okay, did you present her complete in Christ? You know, and then rehash through all the conversations and the things we did. And it was just one of those things that was um, pretty important in our family. And it was, it was really um, a, a lens in which we looked through for relationships that was a, a consistent uh, kind of drumbeat that, that we heard within our family. Now, one of the things that we want to do today, actually, is if we have some time at the end, and Jim, you want to put that, this is Andy's telephone number, and uh, what we did, did in the first service, and a number of you text, they text some actually questions, and we took a couple at the end of, the, of our time here today, in terms of how do you apply this, and uh, I, I think there was some consistency in those questions, but uh, one of those areas where Andy has kids from second grade to 10th grade, okay, um, when you look as a dad, as a mom, presenting, moving those kids an inch or two toward Jesus, what, what's your frame of reference as a, as a dad? Yeah, I, you know, I, when we were talking about, in fact, I was talking with this in the lobby a little bit between services. I, I think this can be sometimes be the hardest, right? Because um, I was even talking to a dad of like, sometimes when we have kids, it's just like, you're holding on for dear life. You know, it's just, you're just like trying to navigate, respond. But really it's, it's thinking through like the intentionality of one of what our kids need, kind of where they're at spiritually. And so I even have one twins, right? And, and one of the twins is she's super concrete, sequential. Um, she's super like just kind of what she needs is, is to feel like the affections of God's love. And that's what we're really continuing to encourage her in, in her relationship with the Lord. And then her twin sister is super abstract, random. She's an artist. She's a feeler. Um, she needs a little bit more consistency and response in that love to obedience or to loving people uh, fully. And so one, it's like knowing your kids, but also I, I think there's just like an intentionality with them as well. Um, you know, one of the things that our Jen and I often do is that we have like goals that we set for like quarterly 90-day goals. And, and one of my goals is for me is to take all of my kids out twice on a one-on-one kind of time with dad and what I want to do with them is I want to have a conversation about um, being missional in their context, to begin to view their friends as an opportunity to pray for them, to begin to view their teammates as a way to engage in relationship, um, to talk through how they respond to their teachers, and, and to begin to almost shift their mind of, okay, yes, I'm going to school. Yes, I'm um, on this gymnastics team or this football team or this basketball team. But how do we begin to think about that in a different way of saying, okay, God, who are the relationships that you've put into my life? And then how do I begin to pray for those people? How do I begin to think about how I can share love with those people in, in the context God has called me to be a part of? We, we all have friends, friendships here. How, how, do, you, how do you deal with how do you apply that helping them walk toward Jesus in the friendship world, yeah. even with your friends? Yeah, I think for me, um, one of the things of how this plays out is first I have to understand where uh, the maturity of my friend in terms of their relationship with the Lord. Um, because I'll give you a couple of examples. Is one, I have a friend who, his name is Matt. He, him and I were friends in high school. He moved down to the Austin area. He's a former youth pastor, um, 
devoted Christian, grew up in a Christian family. Well, what it looks like to push Matt to love Jesus more, to be complete in Christ, sometimes can be a little bit more pressure and a little bit more direct and a little bit more forceful, right? In terms of like just our relationship, because I know that he has a professed faith, that he has a desire to follow the Lord. So in that is I can, I can sometimes lean in a little bit harder. Not Another example is uh, my friend Eric, who um, just went through a divorce. He's not a believer. Him and I are having lunch on Thursday. I've been helping him just kind of counsel and walk through as he's with kids and all the kind of complexity of divorce. He doesn't know the Lord. And so even on Thursday, my job is to listen and help him process and know that the ultimate goal is, is I want him first to surrender his life to the Lord. And then from there, then it looks maybe a little bit different of our friendship of how I help him take steps of faith following Jesus after that profession. Yeah. And, and even as, Andy, you're, you're in a basketball league and, and you think of some of the things that we do as adults, how do you incorporate this phrase even into that, into that world? Yeah. In, in fact, it's really interesting because we started a neighborhood Bible study. And um, one, of, one of the guys that are in our, is in our neighborhood Bible study, he is in this basketball league with me. Um, and so we're talking about this. And, I'm saying, and I told him, um, well, you know why I'm in the league. Like, I love basketball, but it's actually for the relationships of building relationships with these guys. And he kind of stepped back and goes, oh, yeah. That's kind of a good idea, you know, like um, of thinking through these guys and how do I love them? There's guys in our neighborhood. They're all different walks of life. Um, so a couple of things that we're doing specifically is just like um, my, uh, we're, we're trying to invite some, some of these guys over with their spouses for a meal in our home. And just to hear their stories, right? To hear their struggles, to hear some of the things that they're wrestling with and what's important to them, what they're striving after. And then we can begin to kind of even engage in those conversations and share about our story and our lives and the things that, that we're doing as well. For us, being a parent of sports is a huge thing. I, I mean, you know this for those of you who have kids in sports, um, that, um, you know, I, I think sometimes what we don't do as parents is that we don't see those as strategic opportunities. Um, you know, my daughter's in gymnastics, Drew down here, he's in flag football, Macy's in basketball. Like we think about, okay, like I'm going to be with these same parents for like the next five months every single weekend. What an amazing opportunity to say, I'm going to get to know these parents. I'm going to hear their stories. And my wife, man, she's just brilliant at this. I mean, she'll, she can, after a few weeks, get in a conversation. All of a sudden, like she's heard the background, the backstory. She's in conversations about parenting and marriage and faith and what they're passionate about, what their loves are. And, and then we ask the question, okay, how do we begin to turn those conversations into faith conversations of where they're at spiritually and how they can, if they're a believer, encourage them to take another step in their faith and say, what does it look like to take one more step towards Jesus? Or if they're an unbeliever, how do we help them come into interaction with the living God? Would they be face-to-face with him with the opportunity to understand that God loves them and is pursuing them and, and, and wants to, to have a relationship with them? Isn't there a theme, though, of, 
a willingness to build a relationship, some kind of a connection first in some form through conversation. Yeah, that's huge for us is connection. I mean, you know, and, and we, we're very intentional. One is, is that with our time, there's, there's, there's a, a sense in which we want to try to slow things down and, and provide space for opportunities instead of, I mean, our norm is to rush from here to there to there to there, right? Go back and forth. But how do we like create a little bit of space on with our friends or on a Sunday morning or with our families where we can have those conversations? And a big thing for us, and this was modeled for even from growing up, um, having people in our home and our home is a tool. It, it, it's it's a platform for ministry. Um, you know, in our marriage, in almost 20 years, I think we've had 13 or 14 people live with us. We have people in our home for meals all the time, around our dinner table. Um, it's just a space for us to say, how do we create space for conversation, for relationship building, to get to know them, for them to get to know us? And then how do we begin to shift those those conversations into where they're at spiritually and how we can encourage them to take steps forward. Even when you think of uh, parents, you know, when you look at, for Deanna and I getting older, for Jen's mom and dad, um, we've been, we, we got a signed document that we were able to live with them after <laughs> when we need help at some point. How do you present us complete in Christ? Yeah. What does that look like? Well, I'll... I'll leave you for a second. And then uh, I'll talk about Jen's mom first, because this honestly has been the biggest struggle for us. Um, Some of you know who know our story is that we moved to Texas almost two years ago, and we live with Jen's mother-in-law. She's not a believer. And um, and there is just a a ton of baggage through divorce and parenting, things that happened with her parents and all these different things that manifest itself when you live together, right? When you live with somebody, you see all the reality of their junk and their their luggage and their baggage that they take into uh, relationships. And so, you know, for us on that front, it's like, how do we, first of all, like we want her to see our passion and our faith and and for for us to continue to speak that as an opportunity for her as well and, and and so that's a huge thing of just like how do we love her and that's been a conversation we've had to pull our kids aside right as they've gotten older they see manipulation they see like uh, yuckiness and all of a sudden you have to kind of pull them aside and say hey what does grandma need right now you know, what is, what's going on inside of her? How do we love her? How do we continue to push, push her towards Jesus? How do we demonstrate Jesus to her in the midst of that? Um, so you are intentionally trying to have your grandkids go how to present grandma complete in Christ yeah, at that point. Yeah. Right. I mean, it just happened the other day. I mean, I was, I was um, in, um, where was I at? I was somewhere, somewhere on the road. Um, and, uh, Jen, oh no, Jen and I were on vacation for a couple days. And, um, so my daughter got asked to the prom, which is, we're trying to figure out how to do this one. Okay. Can present her completing cries and prom, you know? Um, but, um, my, there was kind of this, some yuckiness and my grandma, my mother-in-law like wanted to buy Brooke a dress. And so they're super excited and all of a sudden, it was between two dresses of like what my grand, my mother-in-law liked and what Brooke liked, you know. And it was like, and she said, or if you pick this one, I'll buy it. I won't buy if you pick this one. And it's just like, <laughs> Brooke's crying. We're talking to her. You're like, okay, how do you love Graham in this situation? Like, 
let's talk about this. And so we're dialoguing, even continuing about that in, in the midst of it as well. Yeah. So how about the workplace? So many people work in a setting and, and what would it look like from a, from a work standpoint? Yeah. And I would say it's, it's a lot harder for me in kind of a church setting, but for Jen, I mean, she's a master at this. She's worked at Starbucks. She's a travel agent right now. She, um, and so for her, it's like, how do you, to, to, to see those opportunities as not an accident. In fact, I was, I mentioned in the first service, one of my favorite passages is Acts chapter 17. Paul walks into Athens. He sees the, the unknown God. He's having this conversation um, and, and he, he, he's in this conversation in the mi- middle of Acts 17 with the kind of the Areopagus, the philo- uh, philosophical bigwigs of that time. And he says, hey, let me tell you about this God. He's the God who created life and breath and everything else. And he determined the time set before us and the boundaries of our lands. And so what Paul's saying is like God put us in these spaces, he kind of arranged us. And so if that's true, like if God has put you in a workplace, in a business, in a, you know, in a, in a field of study, in a sector, in whatever that looks like, how do, how, I wonder what God's intention behind that is. And the next verse says, and, uh, and perhaps some would come to find him and know him because of that situation. And so that's been a huge verse for us of saying, okay, God, if you've called us to Starbucks, you called us to this workplace or, or this group of people, how do we say, okay, you desire a relationship with those people, you're putting me into this relationship of people, and then how do I be intentional with those relationships and conversations? And man, Jen is just beautiful at this. I, I don't know how many people we've had around our dinner table who've been coworkers all over walks of life. I mean, um, you know, people who are divorced, gay people have been around our t- like it, we've had so many different people around our table just to love them and engage in relationship with them and try to share the love of Jesus with them wherever we go. And that's assuming that the Holy Spirit then moves them that inch somewhere down the line and somebody might build on yeah, that. Yeah, and that's the goal. It's not for us to like, uh, you know, take them to the finish line or take them all the way where they, you know, for a believer who will be perfected standing before Christ someday made complete in the image that God has desired for them to be, right? My job is to say, what does one step look like? What is, what is one, just a little movement in their life look like? And, and, and what you were saying is true, is believing that God is so passionate and cares about them so much that he's going to continue to bring people around them that as they move and I help them move, that somebody, it's almost like this handoff thing, right? You know, high five, okay, your turn. Now you're going to continue to love them and care for them. And so there's even this pressure that we don't have to, um, I, I think sometimes even as believers, we put so much pressure that we have to have them become completely mature or they have to accept Christ in that moment. Well, that might be the moment, but you might be doing something that just uh, plows the ground for somebody else to have a conversation to come in in that moment as well. And so it's understanding even the the trajectory of what God is doing in the lives of people that he's constantly wooing, he's constantly calling people to him. And how do we view us as a, just a piece of that larger, grander story in people's lives? You might want to look at some texts a bunch yep. have come in, but it's an intentionality, guys. I don't know if you're catching that, where you, we put on a set of glasses and we're going, okay, who is God bringing in front of us right now? 
and, and then we go, okay, how do, what's, what is we, we figure out? We need wisdom to go, how do you take just one small step and maybe somebody will build anything that you want to pull yeah, up Yeah, so, um, yeah, this would be a really good one, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. So thinking about a spouse who isn't a believer, right? So how do you move forward in when a spouse and you are not on the same page? Okay. Um, you know, I'll, I'll make a, just a comment yep, about that real quick. Is, you know, part of that is, is that y- you may not be on the same page, even as far as parenting some different things, but um, there's a role, yes, dynamically that you can have together, but there's also an individual role that you need to play into the lives of people, whether it's your neighbors, whether it's your kids. Um, and, and part of it is, is in, in, the, in, in the relationship, we're all in process as we continue to figure out what it looks like. So I'm curious about what you think on that one. On presenting someone who's not there spiritually, don't understand, maybe at a far different place from us, if there's one thing that I would encourage you to do, how you do that, it's you, first of all, this is a long-term picture. It's not an immediate thing. And in order, if you can catch that concept, this is about a long-term process of loving them. Because here's the dynamic that I see in marriages way too often. We look at our spouses and intuitively what we allow to come into our minds is I have to fix them. And that's the one thing that we have to get away from. We're not called to fix people. We're called to love people and to give them that concept of of we want to care and love and give them grace and whatever we can do to the best of our ability. Sometimes there's boundaries in there as well, but even that needs to be in in, in the reason, the motivation is love. But as we love them, understand this, God is pouring through you. And when the Holy Spirit, that power of the Holy Spirit comes in you, it's moving into the spouse and then you trust that God does it. So the phrase, stop fixing, is, is the key phrase, I think, in that. And just allow the Spirit, give, pray that you, would, you could love them unconditionally and they would know that and they would experience the love of God through you. Good. I've got a couple more. Actually, I want to do one from the previous service. I think would be a really good one. Is so, and I want to hear your thoughts on this, and I'll give some thoughts. What do you do when you have maybe older children? You know, for and we experience this quite a bit in our ministry of parents who have kids in their twenties who are now maybe hearing this for the first time and think about like, what do I do now? Is it too late? You know, did did I miss my chance? And now I don't have a chance to kind of come up. What would you say to somebody even like that who maybe is experiencing some of these things and now their kids are adults? How do they continue to engage with them? Uh, just a couple quick points on that. Is this older parents need to continue to pursue a love relationship with their adult children? And recognize that you're asking for a level of spiritual wisdom, but you're loving them unconditionally in a way that you're, you're trusting that God is going to open the door for spiritual conversations. And one of the things, if the door is open, it's, it's, there's no guarantees of it, is if you think back as a parent and you go, I wish I would have, and then you fill in the blank. One of the things that I think you can do is literally start like this is you go back at them and go you know what I learned something today and you know what I did it wrong back when I was parenting you and would you forgive me the the, the asking for forgiveness is a 
profound doorway to begin to build a relationship. And for you admitting, and, and, and there's a spirit of humility that has to be in our lives as, as grown parents. Because you know what? Andy could point to all of the things that I, I screwed up on as a parent. But, I would, oops, sorry. And I would even say in the midst of that is, is that those have been probably the moments that stood out the most is your asking me for forgiveness in some of those things and yeah. how powerful that, that moment was of like humility and just being able to, to talk about some of those things. But you also work with college and young career. What would you, I'm curious what you would say. Yeah, I would say it's never too late. I mean, yeah, um, I agree. you know, the, the, the Holy Spirit can get a hold of somebody's life. I, I think there is a, kind of a part where we can begin to, uh, we need to take ownership for maybe the, the things that we, and apologize. But the reality is, is that it's never too late to engage with your kids. I, I think they're, and so this is really just you talk about mother-in-laws. Um, my mother-in-law's philosophy of ministry was, she told Jen when she's 18, said, hey, my job's done. I'm done, right? And like we laugh at that or think that how crazy, but we kind of sometimes think that, right? Well, my kids are adults, therefore I'm done. But then it's helping, you know what? Like your role might shift and change um, in, into some something different, but our job is never done. And I'm curious, because so the last, do we have time for one more question? Okay, and this would be good for you to talk about too, because the question was about like specifically parent um, adult children who are parents helping them see that and then think about even grandkids as well like uh so what what examples did you say of of my adult children in their role of parenting as a role model and then how about even my grandson uh, as well as how you begin to present them complete in christ that role of a, a parent and encouraging them um you know, there's a grandparenting ministry that we're starting here that's speaking often to that. So I would encourage you, one, to jump into that. But I think the, the attitude of, of this is still, the attitude is the key. And as I look at, at, at Andy, I'm going, my still, I still want to present Andy complete in Christ. I want to move him whatever, whatever way that I can. But even in the children, there's a sensitivity, though, that I do want to acknowledge that as grandparents, that I'm not their parent. And, and there's a level of respect that I have to be very, very careful, great wisdom of going, what, are they going to invite me into that grandparenting or to a parenting role as a grandparent? And, and to, frankly, if Andy and Jen were to go, stay away from us, it would recognize, understand that I would need to back off and I just would pray for opportunities and wait and trust. There's, there's a level, there's so much trusting in this process of, of wanting our kids to move in their faith and our grand faith. And I understand this, God is wanting to build trust in us in this whole process. There's an, this, and this is why this identity in Christ is so, is so crucial and Paul understands it. Because if we don't trust God with our kids or our grandkids, we're going we're gonna, to die a slow death of discouragement. Because ultimately, it's the Holy Spirit and, and, and the Father who, who ultimately have to deal with some of the nuances of our, of our children and our grandchildren. Any other thoughts? Um, no. That's good. All right. We need to quit. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> so I, I hope you, you catch this reality that there's, there's a mindset for us here. And, and this is the mindset that Paul had. If he were to walk through these doors right now, 
you understand what he'd be doing? He'd be looking around. He'd be looking at our faces. He'd be looking for us and going, how do I help them take one step toward Jesus? And Paul was doing this through this letter. But he knew that others came along behind him and built on it. It wasn't like he needed to get to them to become spiritual giants. He was going to depend on the elders that he was raising up that he was equipping and helping them take it to a new place. But it starts with the mindset, God, use me to help another person inch their way toward Jesus. And sometimes it might be just praying for the door to open up and for a first connection in relationship. We got to stop, but let's just stand and pray.